Hello, ladies. Today is October 10th, 2022. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit in Jesus' ministry. Last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit's role in the Old Testament, and today we transition over into the New Testament. So let's begin today in Acts 10, verses 37 and 38, and see what this has to say. The same message was, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism preached by John, how God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power, how he went about doing good and in particular, curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. So tonight we're going to discover how the Spirit coming upon Jesus becomes an example for us of how the Holy Spirit comes upon believers of Jesus as well. Now, last week we read in Luke one thirty-five about the Spirit coming upon Mary to conceive the Messiah. And in Matthew 1, 2, we looked at Joseph being told in a dream that Mary will have a child conceived by the Holy Spirit himself. So now let's turn back to Luke again, and let's start in Luke 3. And we're going to begin in verses 15 through 16. So turn with me there. Verse 15, as the people were in suspense and waiting expectantly, and everybody reasoned and questioned in their hearts concerning John, whether he perhaps might be the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And John answered them all by saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not fit to unfasten, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So let's take note of the wording used by John, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now let's continue on in, in Luke 3 and start in verse 21 and 22. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and while he was still praying, the visible heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, my beloved, in you I am well pleased, and find delight. Now let's turn to John, the book of John, and look at verse 5. And I'm sorry, chapter 5, and we will start with verse 19. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, the Son is able to do nothing of himself of his own accord, but he is able to do only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does is what the Son does in the same way in his turn. So Jesus' reliance on the Father is absolutely necessary. Now let's turn to Philippians 2, 6 and 7 for some more insight on this. Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Paul is speaking here, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, he did not think his equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. But Jesus stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, in that he became like men and was born 
a human being. So here Jesus voluntarily lays aside the prerogatives of divinity, and he came for us in this way. This is voluntary submission to the Father's leadership. Jesus is absolutely dependent on the Father during his time as a human being in our midst. So here in all these verses, we see the interdependence of the Trinity, all working together. There's no independent action on any part of the Trinity here. And all this is to say that Jesus does miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the direction and dependence on the Father. And Jesus teaches us, his disciples, to do it the same way. So here we are learning from Jesus how to be how to be and operate as a spirit-filled person relying on the spirit. So now we're ready for some discussion on our homework from last week. Um we looked at Luke 3:22, Luke 4:1 and Luke 4:14 4, through 21. And these are the same passages um in Isaiah 61 that we read in the Old Testament. So let's look at Luke 3 22 real quick just to refresh our memories what that is and the holy spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice from heaven came saying you are my son my beloved and in you i am well pleased and find delight now let's turn the page to luke 4 1 And then Jesus, full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led in by the Holy Spirit. And then let's switch down to the verses 14 through 21 in chapter 4 and continue there. And Jesus came back full of and under the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee, and the fame of him spread throughout the whole region round about. And he himself conducted a course of teaching in their synagogues, and being recognized and honored and praised by all. And so he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and he entered the synagogue, as was his custom, on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And there was handed to him the roll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. So he opened the book and found the place where it was written. And this would be from Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, the anointed one, to preach the good news of the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, and crushed, to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. And then he rolled up the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were gazing attentively at him. And he began to speak this. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled while you are present and hearing. And all those people spoke well of him and marveled at the works of grace that came forth from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? So exactly how the Father, Son, and the Spirit work together is a bit of a mystery for us. But we do see that they do, in fact, work together. And Jesus tells us in John 16 that we are to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And we are promised that the presence and gift of the Holy Spirit to live inside us while we are on this earth. And we are going to look at John 14 through 16 next week, which is Jesus teaching all about him sending the Spirit um, to live in our hearts when he departs from this earth and goes back to the Father. 
So Jesus clearly ministers through the power of the Spirit, just as we are to do also. Now let's take a look at Luke 5, 17. One of those days, as Jesus was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come from every village and town of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present with him to heal them. Now let's also look at Matthew 12, 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out the demons, Jesus said, then the kingdom of God has come upon you before you expected it. Now let's turn over to Acts 1. I know we're looking at a lot of scriptures here, but these, these are so important to set a foundation for us. So let's go to Acts 1, and we're going to read verses 1 and 2. In the former account which I prepared, O Theophilus, I made a report dealing with all the things which Jesus began to do and teach. And until the day when he ascended, after through the Holy Spirit had instructed and commanded the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he also showed himself alive after his passion, many convincing with many convincing demonstrations of his power, and appearing to them during 40 days and talking to them about things of the kingdom of God. So the Holy Spirit empowers Jesus to teach, do miracles, healing, casting out demons, and so forth, as we will continue to see. So Jesus continually promises the Holy Spirit to all of his fathers, to all of his followers. And all four Gospels proclaim that Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at Luke 24, 49. This will be the end of Luke right before he goes into Acts. Because remember, Luke and Acts are written by the same person, and Acts is really would be Luke Luke number two. So let's look at Luke 24, and we're going to start in verse 49. And Jesus says, And behold, I will send forth upon you what my Father has promised, but remain in the city in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. And then he conducted them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he invoked a blessing in them. And it occurred that while he was still blessing them, he parted from them and was taken up into heaven. Now let's go back to Acts 1, which would really be Luke 2, because it's the same author. And let's look at Acts 1, and we're going to go Acts 1, 4 through 5, and then verse 8. So Acts 1, as I get my pages turned here. And so here's Acts 1, starting in verse 4. And while being in their company and eating with them, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, You have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but not many days from now you shall be baptized and placed in the Holy Spirit. Jump down to verse 8. But you shall receive power, ability, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we see from all these verses that Jesus taught that Jesus taught that our he as his king as our king 
He has the, his source of power through the Holy Spirit, and also he only does what he sees the Father doing. But he's also telling us again and again that he's sending the Spirit to be in us to continue the work that he began. I also want to look at one more foundational um, verse, and that would be in Luke eleven thirteen. This is very key. Now, if we look at the context of Luke 11, we remember that Jesus is talking about prayer. The disciples have asked him repeatedly to teach them on prayer. And he's talking about praying and with perseverance and not giving up. So let's look at Luke 11, and we're going to start in verse 13. And Jesus says this, If you then are evil, as you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to ask who ask and continue to ask him? So we see that from all these verses, the Holy Spirit's really paramount to continuing on the work of Jesus. And next week, we're going to talk about what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit as he prepares his disciples for his death on the cross and his final departure. In order for us to live like this, hearing and seeing and sensing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we need to develop, we need to develop the ability to recognize his voice. It's so important. Jesus got up early, repeatedly as we see in the Bible, to go to a solitary place to pray and hear his Father. I think he went there every morning to get his marching orders for the day. And without the confidence that we're sensing his leading and guiding, we will waver in doubt and not be able to carry out the assignments and plans that he has for you. So today I want to introduce to you two-way journaling to practice and develop confidence in hearing God. This is simply writing and recording, recording your conversations to the Lord in a journal or a notebook or whichever you choose. Uh, you want to write down his words back to you. Because you're writing what you believe are God's words to you, it's really a personal revelation. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and encouragement for you. Journaling gives us the chance to practice discerning the Holy Spirit moving in you and will help you build a more deeper relationship with the Lord because you're writing down all the recordings of you and God in dialogue. And it's so important. And actually, that's what the Bible is. The Holy Spirit, or the Bible is a is an inspired book of the Holy Spirit written by men. And so that's what's so awesome. So now let's. I want to turn to an Old Testament passage. Habakkuk. And we're going to start in for chapter 1. Let me see if I can find Habakkuk here. Here we go. We're going to start in chapter 1 and we're going to go through 1 through 3. The burden of the uh, or oracle of the things to be lifted up, which Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry out to you of violence and you will not save? Why do you show me iniquity and wrong and yourself look upon and cause me to see perverseness and trouble? For destruction and violence are before me and there is strife and contention all around me. Now let's turn over to chapter 2 in Habakkuk and read verse 1 and 3. Oh, I know I have been rash to talk out plainly this way to God, he says. I will in my thinking stand upon my post of observation and station myself on the tower or fortress, and I will watch to see what he will say within me and what answer I will make 
as his mouthpiece to the perplexities of my complaint against him. And then the Lord did answer me, and he said, Write the vision, and engrave it plainly upon tablets, that everyone who passes by may be able to read it easily as he hastens by. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, and it hastens to the end, and it will not deceive or disappoint. Although it, although it tarries, wait for it earnestly, because it will surely come, and it will not be behind hand, behind hand or, or on its appointed day. So we read here that Habakkuk spoke to the Lord and waited patiently in a quiet manner to hear what the Lord has to say. So here we get our four steps. We quiet ourselves down and fix our eyes on Jesus to have a pure flow of thoughts from him. And we watch to see what he is doing and what he is saying. Habakkuk was looking for vision to see what God wanted to show him. And so we just saw Jesus in John 5 only doing what he sees and hears the Father saying. Jesus lived this way and we can too. And in Ephesians 1.18, that's one of our favorite verses. And it says, I pray that the eyes of my heart would be opened and enlightened to see you more clearly. And so we can ask God some questions. Lord, what should I do about, and you fill in the blanks. Lord, what do you want me to know about this or about that? And God will often speak to us spirit to spirit as spontaneous thoughts, impressions, visions, pictures, and even scripture. Lots of scripture he will bring back to your mind. And God told Habakkuk to record the vision and write down what you think you're hearing. So this journaling and writing out your prayers and God's answers brings great freedom in hearing God's voice. This will really take your faith to a new level. Now, the key here is to not analyze it while you're writing. You can do that later. It will bring doubt and confusion into the conversation if you start analyzing everything, and it will stop the flow of thoughts. So but we, can, we can test it later, and you should. But just let it flow for now and just write while you think you're hearing. And before we go any further... I want to turn over to John 10 because I know I probably have people that are skeptical about hearing God's voice. So let's turn to John 10 and read verses 1 through 6. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, Jesus said, that he who does not enter by the door into the sheepfold but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And the watchman opened the door for this man, and the sheep listened to his voice and heed it. And he calls his own sheep by name and brings them out. And when he's brought them outside, he walks on before them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And they will never follow a stranger, but will run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers or recognize their call. Now, Jesus used this parable with them, but they did not understand what he was talking about. Now let's shift down to the same chapter 10 and look at verses 14 through 16. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know and recognize my own and my own know and recognize me. Even as the father knows me and I know the father and I am giving my very life and laying it down on behalf of the sheep. And I have other sheep besides these that are not of this fold. And I must bring and impel those also. And they will listen to my voice and heed my call. And so they there will be one flock under one shepherd. So let's talk about testing afterward. 
Um, we always want to test what we think we're hearing with the Bible. That is our foundation. That is our plumb line always. God's voice, when you hear his voice, sounds a lot like the Bible does because they are the same author. God is the author of the Bible, and so he's going to sound very much like that. We want to compare everything we hear with the, with the foundation of what's in the Bible, but also, secondly, we compare it to the character of God revealed in the Bible. The character of God, that what you hear in your quiet time should not ever come in conflict with what the Bible says. If it does, you're hearing incorrectly right off the bat, you know this. And then the third thing we need to do is test the fruit. This is the, one of the most important things, test the fruit. What effect does what you are hearing have on your soul and spirit? Because words from God will bring increased faith, increased love and joy and peace and intimacy. And anything that does not do that is not the voice of God. For instance, any fear, doubt, confusion, or anxiety will be a lie from the enemy, and that is not God's voice because he never brings those things. He will mostly be telling you things that edify and encourage and lift you up. One of the main things that we want to be doing mostly is just journaling and writing in faith. And at first, you're going to say, this can't be possibly be the Lord. It sounds too good to be true. But it is, but it is. And I want you to just keep journaling and keep trying in faith. Now, I want to give you some tips here because there are some things that make this work easier. And I think the most important one is creating your atmosphere. Always create the atmosphere in how you come to God in prayer. Don't just barge in and 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 ask God a bunch of questions and then be quiet. That's that's too that's too crazy. We want to create the atmosphere so that it's quiet and reflective. So put on some soft worship music that's peaceful and lovely. Um, stay away from the worship music that's wild and crazy. It does make you feel great, but it's not quiet and reflective, and you kind of want to create that atmosphere. But mostly what you want to do is you want to be able to praise and worship to start your day because that gives your eyes focused on Jesus and not focused on you and all that you plan to say to the Lord. So worshiping and praising is always the first step, creating that atmosphere. And then visualize yourself with Jesus, either walking with him or sitting next to him and looking at him. And I cannot tell you how important it is that you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, looking at him. And you could ask him some questions like, how do you see me? And then listen for thoughts from him, from his still, small voice. And it will just come across your mind like a thought. If you hear an audible voice, that would be amazing, but I never have. But I'll, I can ask a question, look at Jesus' face, or watch him as I walk next to him, and then I just pay attention to the thoughts that flow across my mind after that. Now, here's why it's important to keep your focus on Jesus instead of the problem or the person or situation. Because if we don't do that, if we start looking at the problem or the situation or what we want, what we would like the answer to be if we're asking for something, we are likely to hear what we would like to hear in our own mind, and it will probably not be a pure thought from Jesus. Um, and we will be looking at that down the road, but I don't want to go that way just yet. But if we focus on Jesus, we'll be safe. If we get our eyes off Jesus and we say, Lord, I really want this, and my eyes are on this, 
I am now praying with an idol in my heart and I'm going to hear what I want to hear rather than what Jesus will hear. And I will, I will go into that later. But another tip that I want to give you is start with easy questions, one at a time, one at a time. Don't come with more than one at a time and don't ask him the history of the world or what his plans are for the world. Start with easy questions about you that are personal, about you that are personal. Lord, what do you see when you see me? Things like that. What do you want to tell me about my family? Things like that. We just want to be sure that we don't pray with any idols of the heart and hope that we hear something while not looking at Jesus. So in this stage, we're just learning to live and walk and hear and see in the spirit, spirit to spirit. And I want you to give yourself a lot of grace here because we're learning. I want you to know that God has way more grace for you than you have for you. And and I acknowledge that this will be awkward at first. It was for me. We need to be trained to look and hear by the spirit because we haven't been really And we live so tuned into the physical world around us that we have not been trained to pay attention to the spirit world. But it's time to learn if we want to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because this is what God has designed us to do. So your homework is to practice the four steps to hearing God. And I want you to say to yourselves, I am not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Make that choice today. To not give up simply because you don't hear. Jesus sometimes wants us to keep trying before he answers our prayers. And so make a decision today that you're going to persevere in this. And let's adopt Jesus' pattern of looking to the Father and listening to his Spirit for everyday wisdom and decisions. I want to encourage you to start living a lifestyle where you literally pray about everything. Your family, your job, your church, your nation, and ask for direction and discernment and power all the time, all the time. And like I said earlier, we know that Jesus often got up early to go to a quiet place while it was still dark to pray, to hear and see from his father, to know what to do that day, who to heal, who to help and who to deliver. And we want to establish the habit of looking to the Lord through the Spirit instead of always relying on our own competency and what we can see in the flesh. I I very much believe that when Jesus did that every morning, he got his marching orders for the day. I really believe that he, God showed him what the person looked like he was going to heal. I I absolutely showed I absolutely am confident of that. That God showed Jesus in a sea of people the one or two people that he was going to heal that day. Because how else could he have known exactly who to heal? For instance, the pool, the man at the pool of Bethesda. There was a bunch of people at that pool. How did Jesus know to go over to that man unless God had showed him that that morning in a vision or with words? I really feel like this is this is what happened to Jesus and it can happen to us too. So next week, we're going to be reading John 14, 15, and 16. So that will be your homework. And I want you to practice the steps. And um, in our last Bible study, I had one lady text me um, a, a week after we had we talked about how to hear the voice of God. And she had asked God the question, how do you see me? 
And what God told her back was the most, and she didn't tell me word for word what he said, so because it was so personal. But she said, I just have to tell you that never have I heard such a beautiful word from Jesus in all my life. And I was just blown away at, at how he sees me and what he wants me to be. And, and that was just, that's the what, that's, that's what this is all about. Learning to hear God's voice for yourself and for your plans and for your life. So let's go over the four steps one more time. You create your atmosphere with worship and praise so that your eyes are fixed on Jesus, his glory, his majesty, and his power, and his loveliness, and his kindness. And then you go into prayer and you quiet yourself down and make sure you're in a quiet place where no one is going to interrupt you and where there's not noises and things going on. Get yourself quiet and go into a quiet place and fix your eyes on Jesus and start writing. And somewhere in there, you ask your question, what do you want to say to me today? Or how do you see me today? Or even I have a very busy day. What do you want me to major in today and minor in? Because I have so much going on. Literally, you can get from Jesus the important things of the day. And as you listen keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, you start writing when you hear the thoughts that are coming across your mind. And don't analyze them. You can do that later and test them. And you will be able to see later when you test, if it's from the Lord or not, you'll be able to see, did I have my, did I, did I move my gaze from Jesus' face to the problem I'm talking about or the thing that I'm concerned about? And did I hear incorrectly because my eyes went there? I can look back on my journaling and see exactly mid-paragraph where I switched from my gaze on Jesus to my gaze on the problem because all of a sudden the wording got different and it no longer sounded like Jesus speaking to me. So I want to be real careful and just keep hammering that home. We don't want to pray with an idol in our heart and want something so badly that we incorrectly hear what we would like to hear. So good luck with that. I encourage you to keep practicing and not give up. Keep, keep practicing. And that's all for today. So your homework is John 14, 15, and 16, and getting and practicing your four steps. And also make a list of some questions that you'd like to ask God, but only ask him one at a time per day, per time that you sit down with him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that John 10.10 says, and John, not John 10.10, but the whole chapter of John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. And we know that we can because you told us we can. And so, Lord, we just accept that. We walk in that. And we just look forward to more and more dialogues and communication with you as we learn. And we, Father, we just ask that you remind us again and again not to give up and to have grace for ourselves as we learn how to do this process. We love you and we honor you and we are anxious to know you more, to know that all that you have for us and to know that there is a lot more than we've currently been experiencing. We're anxious to begin walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and hearing his voice within us. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.